This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, very good morning. How are you? Boker Tov. Yes, uh, we are still um, managing under our circumstances. Um, I think that the Israeli home front has been incredibly strong in um, continuing to uh, operate to do all that they can under the circumstances with more than two weeks, almost three weeks into the current operation. And um, a lot of stress on the home front. Obviously, things aren't back to normal. There's schools in some places, one day yes, one day no, mm-hmm. one hour on Zoom, one hour not on Zoom. Uh, parents are having to deal with um, all kinds of um, issues relating to uh, childcare. Many of these parents also have um, fathers, brothers in the army and mothers uh, having to deal with children on their own. So all in all, I think the Israeli home front has been remarkably resilient and people genuinely still shocked and some people actually quite scared um, after the events that took place on October the 7th, having had their kind of personal security barrier removed mm. and a lot of people still concerned about the possibility of um, militants, uh, terrorists running around Israel. Some of them have been caught even in the last few days, um, still running around those who managed to break through the barrier on October the 7th. We're not 100% sure that they have all been rounded up or um, killed or engaged or whatever it is. And there might still be some running around and it's been noticeable. At least I've noticed it, that there have been some roadblocks from time to time set up at the entrance to cities and towns, uh, people just checking to see what's happening. So all in all, we continue to have a very, very t- tense situation. Day 19 of Operation Swords of Iron. And, um, you know, it's kind of a little more of the same. I mean, we can talk a little bit about the main events of yesterday. There mm, were quite mm. a few significant events that happened yesterday. Um, we will park the visit of President Macron to one side for a moment. He did meet with the Prime Minister and the President. He also went to Ramallah to meet with the President of the Palestinian Authority. He wasn't very welcome um, there and many uh, people um, burning French flags. It's really ironic that it's the French flag that's being burned when President Macron visits uh, the Palestinian Authority area with all the Muslims that France has welcomed onto its territory and really made, um, there's a huge Muslim community in France. I find it absolutely astonishing. I just find it astonishing that they can get the flag so quickly. (laughs) I I wouldn't even Um, know where to go and buy a French flag. Um, other than in France, obviously, which yeah. is not that easy to it, get It's to. just interesting that, um, that uh, in the area, suddenly, boom, everybody's got French flags to bolt, uh, to, to, to burn. Yeah. It's remarkable. To burn, yeah. But it um, is, obviously, I'm being true, a bit flippant. True. You're talking about a very yeah. real issue. 
Yeah, yeah, it's just astonishing. Um, but the events of yesterday are probably summarized as follows. First of all, massive, massive barrage of rocket fire from Gaza during the course of yesterday towards the Tel Aviv area, towards the central area of Israel. Millions of people running for bomb shelter yesterday afternoon in order to um, get away from the rocket fire. There were reports of some people having been injured by shrapnel falling, particularly in Holon, um, but there were also reports of people who were injured while trying to get very, very quickly to their bomb shelters. So a number of people injured yesterday during that, but overall, I think we got through that barrage relatively in one piece. Um, also, uh, an attack from the south, uh, a, a, a unit of terrorists trying to gain access to Israeli territory via the sea. We are told that the IDF managed to track them coming out of a tunnel from Gaza and then getting on a boat um, off the Gaza shore in order to somehow infiltrate Israel. They were all intercepted and taken care of either at sea or when they came on shore um, from their attempt to try to infiltrate Israel. Also, a lot of issues along the northern border yesterday. Rocket fire from Syria, still continued skirmishes with Hezbollah. So we certainly have a front that's open on the northern border that involves both Syria and Lebanon now. And the idea is very, very active in responding to the incursions, mm. the rocket fire that we've um, had from the north. And also the idea of um, operating within Judea and Samaria, um, a, apparently a terror cell that was eliminated in Janine, which is right within, let's say, uh, within our territory almost, uh, within the Palestinian Authority area, so much, much closer to home. So many, many fronts currently open with the idea of operating on all of these fronts in order to keep things as peaceful as possible on the home front. Um, and I've been wanting to speak for a few days about this new weapon that the IDF has been using called the Iron Sting. And um, what is interesting about the Iron Sting is that this is an attack weapon as opposed to a defense weapon. And most of the things that we've had the opportunity to speak about over the years have been defensive weapons, the Iron Dome and and, and the, 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 the arrows and, uh, you know, a number of other David Sling and a number of other um, uh, weapons in inverted commas that Israel has used as defensive weapons. In other words, these are missiles that are used to intercept incoming missiles, whereas the Iron Sting is an attack weapon. This is a precision mortar munition, which apparently has pinpoint accuracy using GPS and uh, using um, um, various other technologies in order to make it as um, as accurate as possible, GPS, laser guidance. Um, and this is a weapon that actually can be used by land forces, and recently it's been used by um, IDF, some of the idea of uh, elite units um, in their operations within Judea and Samaria, as well as along the northern border with, with Lebanon and with Syria. Um, and this is something that can be fired like a mortar munition, uh, which is highly precise um, and has been uh, used to uh, fire against Hezbollah launch sites and things like that. So the Iron Sting is now the latest in Israel's array of weaponry. What's quite interesting is that many of Israel's defensive weapons are locally manufactured. Um, and I've mentioned some of them just now a moment ago, the Iron Dome, the Arrows, David Sling, all of those are locally manufactured. Many of Israel's attack weapons, however, are brought in from abroad. They are not necessarily locally manufactured. But in this particular case, the Iron Sting is locally manufactured and it has been added now to the array of missiles that Israel is using in the current operation.
That's amazing. And I think we need to see things like that. Uh, I, I would imagine, and I don't know how it is in Israel, but given the, uh, in inverted commas, success of the Hamas operation, the confidence in Israeli uh, both intelligence and the IDF itself must be something that is a little damaged or certainly not as confident as, as it once was. Significantly damaged, Howard, and I think that that's the reason why so many people on the home front are feeling quite nervous at the moment, because how could it happen? How could it be allowed to happen? We thought that we were living in this highly safe environment where, um, as some people, you know, used to say um, before uh, this operation, before these events in the last few weeks, um, where the, uh, the where our enemies are concerned and where their leadership is concerned, we know how many drops of tomato sauce they like to put on their chips when they eat their burger. Right. That's the level mm. of knowledge that we had about individuals and what they do and what they like and their daily lives and things like that. And all of a sudden we've been caught very much off guard, a real lapse in security in many, many respects. Those questions are yet to be answered. They will, of course, be answered in the fullness of time. But that's certainly contributed towards this lack, the feeling of a lack of security. People just nervous at times to go out of their homes because they're not really quite sure what they're going to be encountering in the streets. And there's going to be a process of rebuilding that trust. I think we've done some work already, secured the borders and the idea very much visible in order to try to restore that trust. But there's a lot of work to be done yet in order to allow people to feel that all of this capability, because let's make no mistake, the capability, the weaponry, the technology, the desire, all is all in existence. All of it is in existence. Mm. The problem is that on October the 7th, it was just allowed to lapse. It wasn't exercised. There was a lack of operational readiness using everything that we can, using everything that we know and that we're able to do, somehow that just lapsed and it wasn't used. It doesn't mean we don't have it. We do. We absolutely do have it. And the desire of this country in order to exercise that and to reinforce our capabilities and all the technology that we have at our uh, disposal is undoubted over the last two to three weeks of the last 19 days. Um, unfortunately, just on that day, there was a whole and, you know, the reason for that whole we we're still not quite sure about, um, but that will, of course, come out. This does seem to be a lot of um, toing and froing around the ground incursion. I was speaking to listeners mm. a bit earlier, excuse me, and telling them I, I read this article, or I read a comment that the longer Israel waits, the better, because the Hamas terrorists have gone into the tunnels and uh, they obviously will be running out of fuel, out of food. Um, the longer they stay there, the more disoriented they become, air becomes stale. So it, it, it really does work to Israel's advantage. But there does seem to mm. be uh, comments about, well, Israel is Israel ready? Are they capable of fighting this war? Um, what will happen if they go in? No, they're not, you know, pressure by America. It, there's so much information coming from all sorts, uh, from all sides, that I don't think that that helps to... It certainly, we don't get a sense reading the articles and reading a comment that there's a strategy. It seems to be a little bit flip-flopping and, and maybe a disconnect between the army and, and politicians. That's how I'm seeing it. Uh, what's your thought? Um, I think it's... 
I think it's very, very difficult for us to conclude because the re reality is that whatever is going on at the military and the diplomatic level within the political sphere is not something that's going to be published in the press. Mm. We're not going to know about that. So exactly what the tactic is and why the delay continues is something that we can only speculate about and we don't really know. And one of the things that I read also in a comment, I think yesterday, was that um, one of the reasons why it was delayed was because there was this view that those hostages mm. were going to be released and so Israel held back in order to try to allow that significant hostage release to go ahead. Some 50-odd hostages were apparently due to be released. Um, that didn't happen, as it turns out, but uh, maybe it will be happening um, within the next few days. Who knows? I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. There may well be a strategy of trying to flush Hamas terrorists out of the, the tunnels. What has been noticeable is that Israel has been able to precision, precisely hit a number of Hamas leaders. Now, they know that Israel is after them. So the question is, why are they coming out and why are their heads above the parapet? To, coise, to, frame a, uh, to, mm. to, to use a phrase um, that you have used recently, why are their heads above the parapet? Right. And the speculation is that they can only stay underground for so long, exactly what you said earlier, that at some point they're going to have to flush out, that they're going to have to get a breath of air, that they're going to have to get some food, that they're going to have to get some fuel, whatever it is. And that's the moment that Israel strikes and some quite senior leaders have been hit um, in areas which you wouldn't expect them to be because they should really be hiding away under the hospitals or whatever it is. And yet mm. they have put their heads up and they have come out. And so maybe there is a strategy, a tactic of trying to flush them out and trying to get some of the senior leaders out as quickly as, you know, as quickly as possible, play a slightly longer game um, and cause them to wonder what's going on because I think they were expecting a very, very quick hit. That's not happened. Maybe they're getting a little bit impatient, a little mm. bit agitated, um, unsure of what's going to happen next and they're going to need to be flushed out. Let's make no uh, uh, bones about the fact that there is a lot of fuel that is still in Gaza. The IDF showed a picture showing millions of liters of fuel that are still available in Gaza for the operation of electricity and things like that. And I have little doubt that most of that fuel is being directed first and foremost to the Hamas terror infrastructure and that is uh, being mobilized in anticipation of this Israeli ground invasion. Um, but certainly, um, as far as the Israeli troops are concerned and as far as the Israeli home front is concerned, um, one should make absolutely no bones about the fact that Israel is really ready and people are really motivated, massively motivated, to get this done, both at the level of the IDF, the, the junior troops, the senior staff, the generals. Everybody is massively motivated to make sure that whatever happens next will be very successful and the home front also there in order to support people. So if you or any of the listeners have any doubt about Israel's ability or motivation mm. where this is mm. concerned, you should have no doubts whatsoever. And that is awesome to hear because uh, I think we all need to hear that and we all need to be reassured that there is a strategy. Just because we don't know it, it doesn't mean that uh, it hasn't been thought out. And certainly Israel has the experience, the expertise and the weaponry to be able to fulfill that. It is about to go 8 o'clock. Anthony Wright, thank you as always. We'll catch you tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands.
Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com.